have to like wade through quite a lot of like very posy people who are obviously trying to put their body in their face first. I was already a bit nervous and I was like, I thought if I'm first here, it'd be okay. But I was late. I had to like get a sort of dad run on. With him, I was like, oh my God, this, this could go somewhere. Welcome to Equal Parts, a series of true love stories told by the couples themselves. This week, dating in the digital age. What happens if you approach Tinder as a social experiment? Well, you might just meet the one. I'm Jess. I live in Manchester, originally from Cambridge. Um, my partner is Liam, and I'm head of communications for a small digital design agency in Manchester. My name's Liam. Uh, my partner is Jess, and we both live in the Northern Quarter. We've been together for around a year and three months, I'd say, officially. But there's a three-month period of of the dating, the dating period. So I, it actually just come out. Not just I like six months previous come out of a really long-term relationship um so I'd been single for a little while and then I'd seen obviously all my friends in the world of online dating and I've said I was a little bit envious because it always looks so fun from the other side <laughs> and none of them were like making the most of it people would be on it and they'd be like oh you know there's just no one good on here I'm not matching with anyone good and you think like because you're not looking in the right places either you're too uh, strict on who you think is perfect or who you're looking for based on a picture obviously that's just that is the world of online dating I think people come quite methodical about it and they just go for the same people and then not happy with them you think it's because you're going for the same people like you have to expand your especially your aim of it it can't always be about meeting the one and you know looking into the future it should be about maybe you can just meet friends you know you're obviously on a dating app for a reason but maybe if you actually take from that base level of, you know, maybe I'm just going to meet a nice person that I can then hang out with and then take it from there, that's much more natural than jumping straight into thinking, like, am I going to marry this person? Am I going to have babies, et cetera, et cetera. I think the experience as a Tinder is always sort of hit and miss for everybody, isn't it? It's just, but I'd say that's sort of the same thing for all dating. You know, it's hit and miss. It just depends who you meet on it. So I was like, right, damn it, I'm just going to jump straight into it. I'm going to see what it's all about, see who I can meet. Just about expanding, um, you know, where I was at that stage of being in Manchester. And after being in a relationship for so long, you do become quite dependent on someone else and your social circles completely get splintered after that. So, yeah, it was um, it was an interesting point in my life for me to then meet someone who I connected with so well um, after a relatively yeah short period of time, which is really exciting. I was actually on holiday at the time and me and my friend had gone um, away for like a long weekend um, and we'd been delayed at the airport and I was like, right, if th- this is the time, if any, <laughs> going to download it now and see what it's all about. Um, obviously I was in a foreign country so it was completely skewed everything when I got back as well. Um, but it was just interesting. It was an interesting way of meeting people. I work in a very small company so I don't have that option you know a lot of people you work in a a business of 150 plus people you're bound to meet someone you know friend of a friend that kind of thing but I'm working with two people both in long-term relationships both of whose friends I've known already so that pool's kind of not really there um so it was it was just interesting to see the different kinds of people out there different you know things that people are doing with their lives where people are going why people are in Manchester why people aren't in Manchester um yeah, it was just, it was just interesting. A bit like a social experiment. To be honest, I probably didn't see it as a dating app at first. Probably went into it with quite like a um, 
yeah, psychology mind to it, kind of trying to analyse people a little bit too much, but kind of added to the fun. I was actually on a lads' night out in Liverpool uh, with all my mates uh, for a, I think it was someone's birthday, and I was flicking through, and the first picture I came across was with uh, Jess like stroking a dog. I said, right, yeah, points for that. You've ticked all the boxes there. Straight away, looked through her pictures and was like, yeah, definitely. I can absolutely picture the pictures he had on it. Um, and I remember when we matched, and I remember his, I don't remember his profile word for word, but we definitely both had mentioned The Simpsons, because I had The Simpsons in my profile, and I'm pretty sure the first thing he sent me was a gif of Ralph Wiggum waving. Um, <laughs> it's very true to my heart. We are like really big um, Simpsons lovers, especially like between seasons one and ten, any quote, that's it. We know what like, we know what we're talking about. She'll mention something in passing, and I'll be like, I know it. He just looked like a genuinely nice person. Obviously, on dating apps, you have to like wade through a lot of people holding fish. That seems to be a really big thing on Tinder. Um, yeah, you have to like wade through quite a lot of like very posy people who are obviously trying to put them their body and their face first. And obviously, Liam's very attractive, but he seemed like he had personality to it as well. He had pictures of him and his friends, he had pictures of him and his dog, which obviously is a selling point. When I was a kid, um, we never like had a dog. So my dad always said, like, oh, I've had Jack Russells and stuff like that. And then we were always like pressuring him, please, can we get a dog? We managed to convince him. As soon as we got one, when I was about 14, I've been like in love with them ever since. They've just been amazing. But Jess is the flip side. She's never had a dog. I've always wanted a dog. Like, I've literally wanted a dog since I could write a letter to Santa. It's always been on my list, always been on my birthday list. She looks after a dog for one of her friends on a Monday. She takes pictures with them and all sorts. I think at that time, I think on my Tinder profile, I probably had a picture of me and three dogs, none of which are mine, all of which belong to friends. And I had to put, like, a disclaimer on it to say, like, none of these dogs belong to me and please don't match with me if you think I have a dog. I think it shows a lot about a person if they like animals um, and dogs are just the best to me. It was definitely a big icebreaker. Um, quite quickly arranged a date in person. It just felt, yeah, it just felt natural the way we'd been talking. It was very um, straight into being, like, how was your day? Just generally interested in each other. And, yeah, it just kind of, then moved on to let's just just go and get a drink and you know see how things are there's no point carrying it on forever online and never meeting up you have to do it at some point and see whether the sparks there or not after a couple of days of texting we met up at the gas lamp i was already a bit nervous and i was like i thought if i'm first here it'd be okay but i was late i was running late so i was like running down the road but yeah first time i walked through the door i was like Oh my god, I was like in a complete utter fluster. I completely lost track of time, so I was getting changed at work and uh like someone mentioned to me he was like, Oh have a good uh, you know, have a nice time. I had to like run into the toilet to get changed, you know, make myself look like at least presentable. I think I was wearing a dark jumper and I was wearing my red jacket and black skinny jeans. I can't remember what she was wearing. Which he's gonna kill me for. I don't remember what he was like at all. I was very distracted by his eyes, it has to be said. That's what I was kinda of focused on for that whole day. I thought I don't wanna like I don't wanna get there too late, I'm already ten minutes late, so I had to like get a like sort of dad run on. But by the time I got there I was like there was like a bead of sweat rolling, I was like, Oh my god, no, but yeah. A bit rushed, but hopefully she didn't notice that about me when I walked in, because I was already looking around the room when I when I walked in, so I didn't want to appear the creepy guy who sweated and 
<laughs> but hopefully not. Um, I remember I was really early because <laughs> I thought I was going to be really late. And I remember being in the down because you go downstairs, basement bar, back room. And I remember telling my friend that I was going and she was like, there's no signal down there. You can't go. It's really unsafe. And I was like, I don't think it's unsafe. There's plenty of people around. And then I went in and there was no one there and there was no signal. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> um, and then I ordered a drink and I sat down and then I felt really guilty because I hadn't bought him one. But then I panicked about buying him one in case I bought him something he didn't like. And I was like really flustered by the time he got there. And I was like apologising straight away. And he was like stop <laughs> so uh she was in the very back room of gas lamp and i walked in and there was a couple of people already in there and uh she has two phones like uh one for work and you know a personal one and they were sort of resting on top of each other and um i don't know if it was from nerves on her part but she kept like checking them and i thought oh my god and i'm completely falling apart in this in this state i've not kept any like interest at all but I think she was still working or still on the clock. So I think she was, like, checking, like, Facebook and stuff, you know, like, to do with her work. So, But I didn't know that at the time, so I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm terrible. She's just checking both phones. Why she got both phones? She's some sort of dealer. What's going on? I have a work phone and a personal phone. I had both of them on the table, which is really bad manners and something I completely regret doing on a first date, but it probably did give him quite a good insight into who I am. I had both of them on the table, and I had to answer work emails at the same time, all that kind of thing. So we obviously talked about that, um, both in jobs that we're quite passionate about, so that always helps. It wasn't, um, yeah, case of like, what do you do? I live for the weekend kind of thing, like, both quite committed. I think we were talking about holidays and stuff. Where we've been, where we'd want to go. We uh, bonded over the fact that both of us are terrible flyers. He was going away for a few days with a friend a couple of days after, which was really nice, it was just spontaneous trip away kind of thing which I think is something you have to look for like that spontaneity and willingness to just travel and be with other people as well you can't be um, someone who depends solely on your partner you have to have an extended reach of people you know extended community um, I brought up because Simpsons is something we have in common um, I brought up this exhibition I'd been to one of the things they had to do when the activities you have to draw Milhouse from memory he's one of the hardest characters to draw and I brought it up like because of just rambling I didn't know what else to talk about so he did it on the back of one of Gaslamp's menus <laughs> and for like every day um, for about two months after that every time we met he drew me a Simpsons character on the back of a menu which I thought was really cute I'd love it if they had it framed that'd be nice <laughs> I think I walked home about close to midnight, so I was wrecked, but I was trying to hide it. Um, but she uh, lived in the same, or she lives in the same building that like the guy who sits next to me and work lives in. And I was like, that was my first thing. I was like, oh my God, Tim lives here. But I was like, don't be cool, man, be cool. Um, so yeah, um, but I think like once I got home, I was like, hope you had a good night. I think, I think I text that. I remember it was the next day, I remember getting it at work. Because I work with two boys as well, so it's like a very exciting thing to happen and then you can't really react to it because they won't care. Well, they like care, but they didn't really get it at the same level. So then you like, got the text and I had to text my friends really subtly like, oh my God, he's texting me, this is really exciting. It was one of the first dates I'd been on as well that actually felt it could go forward. Or, like I'd been on a couple and they were really nice guys, but it just didn't really feel like it was going to go anywhere. So it's like, 
fair enough like it's been an experience but with him I was like oh my god this this could go somewhere I didn't really know how to behave I didn't really know what the next step is so yeah I definitely text my friends and was like I think it's like what is my next step what's my next move who texts me first all of that like really lame stuff but yeah it was fun it's a fun moment that first time you like have that experience with someone have that spark and start seeing it moving forward because he was going away for a few days afterwards as well we had to have that time where we couldn't see each other which I think was quite good it meant we were still chatting every day and via text but you couldn't have that like constant face-to-face interaction we didn't like fall into spending all of our time together which I think again is important that you're not committing completely to someone that you've only known for you know, a few hours on a date kind of thing. She was late for the second date. I made him go to, um, I asked him to go to Salou, which is the wine bar in Manchester, and he doesn't really drink wine. But I was like, oh, I'll show you. It's really exciting. So I was waiting there, and she was like 20 minutes late, and I thought, oh, my God, I'm being stood off. I'm like, what's going on? I was really nervous when I first saw him because I didn't think he recognised me. <laughs> it was really embarrassing. And she turned up, she was like, oh, I'm sorry, I was looking after a dog. I was like, right, you've won me over, it's fine, all forgotten. And that was really nice, because obviously he'd been away as well, so he had lots of stories from that, which made it a lot easier than just talking about work again. It was like a whole new raft of things to discuss. Yeah, and then we went just like bar hopping across Manchester, basically. (laughs) She was like, I always felt really bad, you know, like I'm really sorry that I was late. And I was like... I was fine, but I really thought he'd stood me up. After the second day, he didn't text me until like 7pm. And I had to text him first. I remember that because he left me hanging for ages. <laughs> and I've told him off quite a lot about it. And yeah, it turned out he was just trying to play it cool. The year before, I'd gotten out of a, like, a relationship. So for the like following few months that I was just, you know, like keeping it sort of casual when I met, I was, you know, as much as like we really connected, I didn't want to like rush into it or anything. We had a conversation about um not going on other dates. We had a conversation about that about a month, maybe four to six weeks after we first started seeing each other. And then about a month after that we were official. You know, we had the conversation of whether we should be Facebook official or no. And uh, yeah, I think that we, we put it off and we just, you know, we had a bet on how many likes we'd get on Facebook. And I think, uh, I think she won that one, actually. I think she won that bet. I know there's always sort of like a, a sort of perceived stigma about like uh, Tinder and stuff like that, especially with like an older generation. So if like my mum says like, oh, how did you meet? It'd be that sort of cautious, should I be honest? Should I, you know, sort of said, but I think I just sort of said it, except to my nan. I mean, nan's always got this thing where like, cause my nan's like a oh, thousand more percent scouse than I am. Um, she does this thing, she's like, how's your Judy? And I'm like, her name's Jess. And she's like, no, no, no name's Jess, but you know, that's the term, Judy. I'm like, mm-hmm, all right. So um, when I like tell her, she's like, how did you meet again? So I just have to be like, oh yeah, we met in the pub. Like, so then she's just like, that's it. There's no more questions. If I brought up like phones and all sorts, she'd be like, you know, I'd be spending like another 25 minutes explaining stuff. So it's just easy to just be like, yeah, pub. Equal Parts is produced by me, Maria Passingham. Thanks to Audio Network for the music and to Jess and Liam. As you must know by now, each episode of Equal Parts has an accompanying piece of original artwork. Graphic designer Daniel Brown created the piece for Jess and Liam's story, 
and you can see it and find links to more of his work at equalpartspodcast.co.uk. Next week, small coincidences and grand gestures. I think I looks cool because he was taking pictures and in the meantime he was uh, headbanging. I have to do something really, really crazy to catch her. Now, I want to ask a little favour of you. Remember Davide and Nick from a few weeks ago? A condensed version of their story is up for a competition and I'd love your support. Please search My Roadcast, that's R-O-D-E, My Roadcast, and vote for equal parts. Thank you.